Good morning. It is Thursday, October 13th, and trending this hour, inflation. It has increased 0.4% in September. The CPI now sits at 8.2%. Food at home inflation is at 13%. Also trending, Charles Barkley. It's been announced that Barkley has signed a new contract with Warner Brothers Discovery. The details haven't been released yet. Back in July, Barkley was linked to the LIV golf tournament. Those talks have ended without a deal. And finally trending, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Just yesterday, Kraft launched Where'sTheMac.com. It's a movement to encourage McDonald's to add a heaping scoop of Kraft Mac and Cheese to the iconic Big Mac. Big Mac, by the way, is 55 years old. Six minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and let's talk about David Priest. This is a former CIA officer, and he was on a Fox News show with Brett Baer. Brett Baer was asking him about signing a letter that said the Hunter Biden laptop story had all the earmarks of a Russian information operation or disinformation or misinformation Whatever you want to call it, he is saying he would sign it again. He's good with it. No problem. They didn't lie. Just accept it. Yes. And I want to lead. We always try to, for the most part, lead each hour with what, what I feel or we feel are the most important stories of the day because it's sort of like resetting the top of the hour Mm -hmm. and this clip is not getting near the attention it deserves because it is an absolute uh door opening experience and every american should listen to what we're about to play because it tells you what sort of shady people are working now again not all of them but clearly they exist inside of federal law enforcement which is supposed to be above politics Mm -hmm. and what this guy says here and his attempt to defend what we now know definitively Mm -hmm. is absolutely true it was absolutely real hunter biden's business partner at the time said it was real his business partner it was clearly him and this guy and the only reason you can come come to the conclusion of and we see this more and more is another another washington bureaucrat another federal government agent weaponizing the federal government against citizenry in this case to change the outcome of an election listen to this guy defend the indefensible take a listen that it has all the classic earmarks of a Russian campaign in the way it was disseminated and propagated through media. Do you regret signing on to the letter? Oh, absolutely not, because well, those words are still true. Do you think it has all the classic the earmarks. Of an election? Oh, absolutely not. No, this Even is... Even though it wasn't true. It no. had the classic earmarks, but it wasn't true. What is not true? That it was Russian disinformation. That's not what we said in the letter. Read the actual letter, and we said we do not know if this is Russian disinformation. It has right? all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Exactly. The I difference between an information campaign and a disinformation campaign and a misinformation campaign. It's not my fault if people don't look up definitions. I know, but you're, the purpose of the letter is to have an effect. And the nuance that you're talking about here never made it to candidate Biden because he said it plainly on a debate stage that obviously affected the dynamic. 
Yeah. Don't you think? I would absolutely love for all news media to show nuance on all these issues instead of racing to sound bites. And in this case, some news media race to sound bites. That's not helpful for the American people. And you I really think wish your that people was helpful for the American people. Well, instead of quoting one sentence from it, if people actually read maybe an entire paragraph. It shows in that we don't know if it's Russian. It affected anything? I don't know if it affected anything. But we don't analyze to. American political but environments. We're trying to. What we're trying to do is point out that this has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information campaign. Not to say it's Russian disinformation, but to say that the propagation through American media and international media has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information campaign because we've seen it over and over and over again. They love to sow these kind of divisions and exacerbate them. That's not American. That's Russian. I got you. Yeah. But it ended up being a Biden information campaign because he used it in the campaign and in that debate. I encourage you to ask him about that. And I will. Thank yeah. you very much. You bet. For the time. So, the, but the, it's also important to know that then this, the federal government, then whether it wasn't this guy directly, but other people, then went to social media uh, platforms. We know they went to Facebook. Zuckerberg testified mm-hmm. that they went to, or didn't testify. He told Rogan that that the federal government came and pressured him on how to handle it. It's very clear, even though it hasn't been confirmed, that they did the same thing with Twitter. And people were literally, in some cases, not allowed to share the story or click, kicked off the platform if they tried to share the story, which is completely true because of pressure from the federal government, mm-hmm. federal law enforcement agencies. Did you hear the contempt sure. in his voice? Absolutely. It really reminded me of Bill Clinton during the Lewinsky deposition. Depends on what the word is, is. I mean, he's playing games. He knows why he said it. He can try to parse his words, but at the end, we all know what he meant. He was trying to change and affect the outcome of a presidential election based on suspect evidence, which has since been disproved. Correct. And he's still not admitting it. Not a single one of the 51 former intelligence officers apologized or even admitted to being wrong following the New York Post story. They still have not. They're still defending their position. This guy, he's not following the three-step process, Rob. <laughs> he's not admitting his his mistake, apologizing, and then taking correct, corrective action. And multiple studies show that the media's lack of coverage of this story, the Hunter Biden laptop story, did have an app, an impact on the outcome of the election. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, we're not going to get into it today, but we had a story in our template about how the FBI was offering a million dollars for proof of the Steele dossier in 2016. So you've got, on one hand, when it's Hunter Biden and it proves to be true, mm-hmm. you've got our government squashing that and basically intimidating social media platforms into squashing it. But when it's Donald Trump, you've got them offering a million dollars, allegedly, for something that proved to not be true. Our government, and people need to, people ask, why are you the way that you are? This right here. Mm-hmm. Because this is definitive proof of the government, nameless, faceless bureaucrats, weaponizing their positions of power and authority and influence over elections and they tried to do it in 2016. This the dossier was so ridiculous that they couldn't even pretend to try to prove it. How many times is the government wrong about this sort of stuff? They're wrong far more than they're right. 
This is why I hate the government. This is why I loathe everything about the government, because these are the sort of people and these are the sort of things that they are doing where they are literally attempting to alter and in this case successfully altering the outcome of elections. And they don't feel bad about it at all, even when it's exposed. Yeah, no, showing contempt, feel bad about it. No, showing contempt, righteousness, in fact. It's 13 minutes after 11. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob, let's talk about entitlement. Yes. So last hour. Let's go to school, kids. Well, you know, we've got some real Rhodes Scholars in our audience. And uh, last hour we were talking about the uh, inflation. We were Mm -hmm. talking about how everything is costing more. We were talking about uh, how it's never stopping. And I had pointed out that the government is going to give Social Security recipients an 8.7% increase month over month, which comes out to about $140 per person Per, for, per year. And I said, where is that money coming from? It's going to be printed. It doesn't exist. And it will cost all of us more money for things we buy because it will drive inflation. And I mm-hmm. said, it comes back to the conversation that I had with the old Duke of Spendingburg, Todd Young, at the Stacks Pancake House. And this is why he won't do public events now afternoon here in central indiana because he knows i'll show up and that's (laughs) and ask him if you think that's a coincidence that now everything's at nine or ten o'clock you're you're dreaming that's just a sudden altering of the scheduling by todd young but he told me he said i'm not sorry for anything i've done and he said if you reelect me i will not stop and all the entitlements are going to continue as they've always been so if you vote for todd young Get used to it, because take the COVID stuff out of the equation. The guys still voted to add like $6 trillion to the national debt, which in and of itself would drive some form of inflation. And a bunch of people got really mad because they said Social Security is an entitlement. And I said, if you are entitled to receive it Mm -hmm. at a certain age... Well, what the hell would you call it? And the people do the thing, well, I paid into it. I didn't dispute that you've paid into it. Mm-hmm. But if you receive something automatically at a certain age and you are entitled to keep that until you die, what would you call it, Casey? What the hell word should I use? It's an entitlement. And this one guy, this Philip guy, finally, he was messaging the uh, the show via social media. And he finally said, because we had called him out, I said, well, you're a real road scholar. <laughs> if you're going to be mad over me calling it an entitlement when you're entitled to receive it and you're entitled to receive it until you die. He finally goes, uh, yes, Social Security is an entitlement in the legal sense. <laughs> no, you just want to be mad, and you think it's, you think you're special because you can message the show and go, the broadcaster's making a mistake. Wait. No, we're not making a mistake. It's an entitlement, which is why the program is going bankrupt, which is why it's cavalcating towards insolvency, because there's more money going out than more money coming in, because people are entitled <laughs> to receive it at a certain age until they die. Maybe we just want to rebrand it. Like we are with what is a woman and but, and what is a recession? Yeah, Phil, what Phil, is an entitlement? Philip should either get a job for the Biden administration or the mainstream <laughs> national media. It is an entitlement. 
People should not have to pay into it. But the fact is that the federal government, led by Todd Young, Duke of Spendingburg, who has added $11 trillion to the national debt, says he's never, ever, ever stopping. Do with it whatever you want. So Todd Young uh, released how much money he's raised fundraising for his campaign. And we're going to reveal that coming up when we talk to James Seniak, the libertarian candidate who's running for Senate. And that's on the way later this hour from 93 WIBC. But up next, an update on, oh, one of Rokita's buddies. We're going to tell you what's going on from 93 WIBC. Okay, so here's an update on a story that we covered earlier. Do you remember the lady who was Rokita's buddy who he gave a big salary lobbying contract to? Yes. And then she failed to properly register as a lobbyist? Yes, Aaron Tuttle, who mm-hmm. apparently had no experience lobbying. So that, when again, when people ask, why do you pick on the Republicans? This is exactly why, because there's zero excuse for this other than it's cronyism. So Todd Rokita is the attorney general, Mm -hmm. and he decides to hire a a buddy of his. Her name was Aaron Tuttle, who had no experience lobbying whatsoever to a $200,000 two-year contract. Now, Casey. Mm Mm-hmm. You hired people in radio. Yeah. Did you hire someone with no experience whatsoever to any six-figure contracts? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, it's radio, so that's never going to happen. Yeah. But no. Yeah. Um, but in politics and government, when you have essentially unlimited money to dole out to your buddies— you hire whoever is politically most expedient for you rather than who's best for the taxpayers. So uh, Todd Rokita, Attorney General, our own Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons, uh, the famous attorney voiced by Phil Hartman, his slogan was, if I don't win, your pizza's free, uh, decided to give this Aaron Tuttle Mm -hmm. a two-year $200,000 maximum contract. And apparently, Casey, she was so inept as a lobbyist who got a six-figure contract Mm -hmm. that she didn't even know how to properly register as a lobbyist. Yeah, so you have to do that. And she mistakenly registered Uh as a lobbyist for the city of Indianapolis rather than the state Right, because why would you... I mean, that's a totally normal mistake, right, to think I'm working for the attorney general who's a statewide office holder... Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I just register for the city of Indianapolis, even though I'm lobbying for state government? Yeah, Todd Rokita, that's a brilliant hire. And the fact that Rokita hires the person who doesn't even know how to register for a lobbyist, to be a lobbyist, as a lobbyist, and then she commits. I mean, look, every lobbyist, a person who has any, I knew this, Casey, and I've never been a lobbyist nor anywhere near a lobbyist, knows you have to register as a lobbyist because. The public has a right to know who is trying to extract things from their government officials. So she also missed 10 of the required filings, each with a maximum late fine of $4,500. So, and, and this is an indictment uh, more of, Ro- look, she got the contract, so mm-hmm. whatever. This is totally an indictment of Rokita, though, because these are the sort of people that Rokita is surrounding himself with, with your money. This is your money we're talking about. When she gets a contract, it isn't from Rokita Industries. 
because we all know Rokita's entire life evolves around the public grift, going back 20-plus years from when he was Secretary of State. He's not whipping out his own wallet. It's your money in which he's rewarding a buddy who has no experience in doing this whatsoever. In fact, she's so inexperienced, she does not abide by the rules and regulations to where she gets fined for that. Mm-hmm. But what? it's no big deal to Rokita because, well, it's not his money. So now, ultimately, it comes out. They say, well, she's only going to be fined $3,000. I think it could have been up to $30,000. But she's going to be fined $3,000. And Rokita's going to be fined fifteen. Well, not Rokita personally, but the office is going to be fined $1,500. Mm-hmm. So $4,500 of your money is going out the window because Todd Rokita decided to hire his buddy who had no experience being a lobbyist. So that's just $4,500 you get nothing for. Even if you said this lobbying contract was the greatest thing, or this was the greatest hire in the history of ever, his hire of someone who knew so little about how to do the job cost you as a taxpayer $4,500. What am I supposed to do, Casey, with the fact that the attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer in the state of Indiana, hires someone who doesn't know how to follow the law and it cost me as a taxpayer $4,500. Am I just supposed to sit here and go, oh my gosh, Todd Rokita is just the greatest person in the whole world and he's so magnanimous and charming. <laughs> or am I supposed to point out that this was a political giveaway mm-hmm. that was terrible to begin with and it's costing me money as a taxpayer? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not costing you as much as it could have because she's not, at the end of the day, paying the large fines that could have been put yes. on her. They were reduced. Now, what happened? Surely Rokita looked at this woman and said, oh my gosh, I have hired an utter buffoon mm-hmm. who doesn't even know how to register as a lobbyist. Surely I will learn my valuable lesson from this, tear this contract up, and bid this person good day and never see them again. No, that's not what happened. Wait, what? No, that's not what happened at all. What so happened? She previously earned about $94,000 across 14 different Invoices under her contract, but now, so she now, got that money. Now she earns a hundred thousand dollars a year as a full time employee. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And I know we're running along here, but we're not stopping. Hello, Todd. I hope you're having a great day because I know you, you're either hearing this right now or it will quickly get back to you. Um, so Rokita hires his buddy mm-hmm. who has no lobbying experience to be a lobbyist. She's so incompetent she can't properly register to be a lobbyist, which costs us as taxpayers $4,500. She still got paid $94,000 according to the invoices, even though she had no experience being a lobbyist mm-hmm. and she was so bad at it that it cost us money and she got fined. And the response to that of her being so unqualified was Rokita said, I know, I'll make her a six-figure paid state employee plus benefits. Yes! Gee, wonder why I am the way I am to Republicans and Todd Rokita. But I'm sure in this equation, somehow, I'll be the bad guy in all of this. You follow the dots correctly, Rob. You got it. So just mistake your way to a six-figure salary. It's 1127. Only in government, Casey. Yes. Only in the government. Could you be a colossal and epic failure? You could be such a failure that you don't even know how to register to be the thing that you're getting the six-figure payment for. And what does the government do? I know. Let's Gives promote them. insurance, Yeah, let's too. promote them. And yeah. retirement. Uh-huh. Yeah, all those things. All the good stuff. Probably a parking pass as well. 1127 is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. If you reach back in your memory, a little bell might ring. 
about a time that once existed when money was 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And Casey, are you aware there's a big debate coming up Sunday night? Yes, I heard that for Senate. Yes, our old pal, the Duke of Spendingburg, mm-hmm. the highest spending Republican in the U.S. Senate, Todd Young, will be there. Tom McDermott will be there. And the libertarian, James Siniak, will be there on the uh, for the debate on statewide television. And speaking of James Siniak, the libertarian, that's who joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. James, I am so envious of you. You get to stand on a stage for an entire hour with Todd Young. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. Let's go. Hey, Robbie, Casey, thanks for having me on. Uh, definitely excited for Sunday. Definitely excited to point out Todd Young's failed policies as well as his spending habits. Uh, doesn't serve Hoosiers, and they need to hear that message. So uh, Sunday's debate is going to be a great opportunity for that. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for that opportunity. You've got, according to Abdul's poll, a whole big group of right-minded Republicans, 25% or something like that, who are undecided on Todd Young because of the spending, because of the gun control bill he voted for. You've got a real opportunity that libertarians haven't before because the Republican is very vulnerable. How do you plan to uh, bring that to everyone's attention on Sunday? Well, it's the approach I've taken all along. It's to show that there's a middle-of-the-road sane way to do things in Washington, D.C., including a balanced budget, including um, standing up for our civil liberties, including gun rights. And when Hoosiers hear that message, they're going to resonate with it. They're going to understand that there's a better way to represent them in Washington, and it's through a public servant. Uh, It's through somebody who really cares about their constituents and, and someone like myself who will put forth good policy, good sound policy in Washington. James Siniak, uh, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate, is our guest. The debate is Sunday night uh, for U.S. Senate. Uh, James will be there in addition to Todd Young and Tom McDermott. Casey. James, my question for you is Todd Young has just announced that he raised $1.2 million in his fundraising, and he now has $5.5 million cash on hand, and I assume he'll be buying a lot of television ads, (laughs) and Indiana is an expensive TV market. You have to buy Indianapolis. You have to buy Cincinnati. Evansville. If you want to get into the northwest corner of Indiana, you have to buy Chicago. And then there's also South Bend and Fort Wayne. How do you combat five and a half million dollars when you're you? Well, absolutely. There's two parts to this question. The first one, Todd Young, uh, where do you think that money came from? It's it's from lobbyists and it's from people who are buying his vote. Uh, you don't raise that kind of money without uh, that kind of uh, support that is actually very cronyism. It's, it doesn't represent Hoosiers. So I actually am proud of the money I raised, and I raised it all through uh, Hoosiers who are willing to look for a better option in Washington. Now, when you say combat uh, the media, yes, he's going to buy TV ads. I don't believe you can buy an election. And this is really important to note. So it's something that my campaign has uh, strategized all along. But we have earned media over and over and over and over, and we've seen the results. And I don't have to spend huge money for my name to get out. Uh, we are buying some billboards. We are going to do some uh, news media. But the reality is, is you can't buy an election. Hoosiers have to hear my message, and it's important that they hear a sound, a sound approach to Washington, D.C., a fresh approach. Now, he's obviously going to highlight the landmark CHIPS Act, and uh, I know he's going to say how great that is for the state and the country. What is your rebuttal to something like that? Well, look, it's cronyism, and his whole thing is is it's a battle with China, but he talks about China and the Communist Party. Well, what is cronyism? What is Washington doing buying uh, 
corporations with this money. Uh, it absolutely looks a lot similar to communism. I mean, that's a bad approach to our economy, and it really goes against the free market. So Hoosiers don't want uh, buy corporations. They want true free market, and that's, that's going to be an important note to make on Sunday. James Siniak, uh, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate, is our guest. The debate is Sunday evening. By the way, James, if people aren't aware, where, when, where, when can they see you on the television? Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be aired all over. Uh, WFYI is going to be uh, putting that out. And uh, so most PBS networks will have it. And it's 7 o'clock on Sunday. And people are welcome to my watch party at Ralston's in, on Mass Ave in Indianapolis as well. Oh, there's a watch party. Have you picked out what you're going to wear yet? <laughs> I have. Well, okay. I've picked it out down to the tie. I've not got my tie yet, but I'm working on that one. Well, that's a lot of pressure because Maurer in his debate, I the thing that impressed me the most was that tie. It was that great gold tie, and I said, I need to get me one of those. So you got a lot of pressure to live up to. Absolutely. Uh, pressure on how well he looked and pressure on how well he answered his questions. Uh, my <laughs> only regret is that my debate follows his, and, and uh, I have to meet those expectations but i was thinking about his tie and how sharp it looked and you know I don't, i'm not sure how to prepare to that how how long do you prepare for this debate like how many hours do you think you put into it well i mean it's all about sound policy and we put out sound policy since the beginning of my run so it's knowing where i stand on these issues it's not flip-flopping on them i put out what i believe to every every time along the way and as different things have been voted on such as the pact act uh, I, I put out my policy, so those don't change. So the work put into the debate is being able to communicate it to Hoosiers in 60 seconds. And so I've done a lot of town halls. I've been on time frames. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of preparation, and it does go um, – it will show my diligent work on Sunday when I, I'm able to communicate that message to Hoosiers. Uh, James Siniak, our guest, he's the Libertarian candidate for United States Senate. Debate Sunday night. You can see it on public television across the state of Indiana, WFYI. Uh, in addition to James, it'll be Todd Young, the Republican, and Tom McDermott, the Democrat. Okay, James, now, in 2020, Jason Hammer and I gave a piece of advice to Donald Rainwater that we believe would have actually won him the election before the debate. He chose not to take Take it, um, and that was we said you must call him. Him being Eric Holcomb, lock down McGee at some point <laughs> during the debate, and that will be the story. Uh, my free, unsolicited advice to you, my friend, is that you must get the phrase "Duke of Spendingburg" in in regards to Todd Young, and while looking at Todd Young in during that debate, that alone, I believe, will win you thousands upon thousands of votes. Can you assure us that at some point, maybe we will hear the phrase "Duke of Spendingburg" during the debate on Sunday night? Well, uh, Rob, I, I love that word, but uh, we have to. Be you know, approach this from a perspective of getting everybody on board. And I've always been very optimistic and that my policies will shine through this debate while pointing out the flaws of the others. And Todd Young's flaw is spending. So definitely you will be, uh, it will be pointed out how much he spends. Um, the Duke of Spendingburg is definitely something that Hoosiers need to hear about. <laughs> so I guess we'll find out on Sunday whether I use that term or not. <laughs> Uh, real quick, James, you're—I'm curious because you've—you've you've been at this now for basically six months since you've been the Libertarian nominee. Do you feel like you've gotten better as a candidate as the 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 time has gone on? And do you, is it a thing where you say, like, "Man, if I'd have been this good when I started, I'd be so much better now"? 
Absolutely. Growth always happens. Uh, when you do something over and over, uh, success happens. And I definitely have grown as a candidate. Uh, I've grown at, in communication style. I've grown uh, with relationships with media. And so, absolutely, if I had all these skills six months ago, uh, we'd probably be at a different point. But the reality is, is that I am here now, and I'm, I'm willing to put in the work for Hoosiers, and I'm willing to do that after the election in Washington, D.C. What is the biggest thing that you think you have realized during this process that you have learned? The lack of uh, people actually listening to Hoosiers across Indiana. And the uh, when I look at Washington politicians, they look at these issues as if they know what every single Hoosier believes. And I've done the work. I've gone around the whole state talking to individuals. And I've realized that my opponents, both of them, uh, only appeal to their base. And so what I'm looking at is ways to represent all Hoosiers. So I, I believe that really Washington is out of touch and it's because of politicians uh, and the way they run. Um, Todd Young has done very little groundwork and assumes he's going to win. Tom McDermott is a one issue candidate and that doesn't represent Hoosiers. James Siniak, the Libertarian candidate for United States Senate. You can see him Sunday night, 7 o'clock, WFYI PBS across the state of Indiana. James, before I let you go, you got a website, a Facebook page if people would like to learn more about you. Absolutely. www.seniac4senate.com. That's all spelled out. S-C-E-N-I-A-K-F-O-R. And uh, Facebook is James Seniac for U.S. Senate. Twitter is Seniac number four Senate. So you can find me on any of those three spots. I appreciate you, Robin. Casey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Good luck on Sunday. Duke of Spendingburg. <laughs> Let's go. Thank you, James. Thank you. 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey show. Good morning, 1147 with Rob Kendall and Casey Daniels on 93 WIBC. So I came across this article, you know, sometimes when you're just uh, surfing around on Google, you you find things and you click on it and then you go down that rabbit hole. Well, that happened to me. This was an article from Money Wise and they listed the best movie filmed in each U.S. state. So they went through all 50 states and said, okay, this movie was made there and this is the best one. Of course, uh, many states have multiple movies made in them. But I had to go find out, okay, what's Indiana's? And I was guessing it would be Hoosiers, and I was correct. Oh, okay. So this Money Wise article says that uh, Hoosiers was the best movie shot in the great state of Indiana. So they use locations like Knightstown, Indianapolis, Danville, and also Brownsburg. Yes. And in this article, it says that WRTV reported that thousands of Indiana residents lined up around the Brownsburg High School gym for uh-huh. the opportunity to be an extra in the film. And just about everybody who showed up was cast. Yes. So that got me thinking, okay, Rob Kendall, you are the Brownsburg expert yes. in the room. County lifer, yes. Mm-hmm. Know anybody who was in the movie Hoosiers? I, I know several people who were in Hoosiers. So that movie came out in 86, which was the year we moved here. So I was two. Okay. So they it, it came out basically right about the time we moved back here. My parents were originally from here. And I lived as a kid and live now literally right down the street from where that that part of the movie was filmed that was the old high school gym it was demolished in 1990 in the movie it is the deer creek or deer lick sectional i think is the name of it in the in the movie 
and that uh, when I was a kid, when I went to kindergarten, that gym was still there, mm-hmm. and then it got torn down, I think, in 1990, and it became, it is now uh, condominiums for, okay. for older people. Um, I know multiple people who were in that scene at Brownsburg, and then I know multiple people who were in the movie as a collective. Mm-hmm. Probably the most prominent person I know who was in the movie, uh, now former Representative Matt Whetstone, was an extra in the movie. He makes multiple appearances as an extra cheering at one of the games. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of my good friends, uh, he became later became a great high school basketball player at Brownsburg, Shane Headley. He was a little kid when the uh, Hoosiers team wins at the Brownsburg gym, the sectional. You can see him. He's a little kid with the flat top runs under the center of the court and is jumping up and down next to Gene Hackman as mm-hmm. he gets the uh, as he gets the basketball. Okay, speaking of Gene Hackman, uh, one of the best scenes from the movie, in my opinion. Uh, look, mister, these boys got a routine they're used to. You uh, throw a new coach with newfangled ideas at them, uh, might get them all confused. It will ease into it real slow. Hell, our first game's less than two weeks away. Well, first of all, let's be real friendly here, okay? My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. <laughs> you are uninvited. See, this is what Cineac should do in the debate with Todd Young. Your first, your first, senating days yeah. are over. My name is Cineac, and your senating days are over. <laughs> James, you can steal that one, too, and use that however you'd like. Uh, yes, so if we're talking Indiana movies, mm-hmm. it would have to be Hoosiers and Rudy mm-hmm. are probably like 1A and 1B in terms of the great movies made inside or almost exclusively inside of the state of Indiana. You need a lot more extras to shoot Rudy than to shoot Hoosiers. Yeah, you would. To fill up that gym stadium, a little bit smaller than, you know, the Notre Dame stadium. Yeah, and, and you know, from people who were there and at these various shootings, you know, it, it was an all-day sort of thing because you'd have to move the – in many cases, you'd have to move the crowd based on where the cameras were or what mm-hmm. they were trying to shoot. And it, it really – that that old Brownsburg gym was such a neat old gymnasium. and uh, They renamed it to Hoosier Gym at one point? No, Hoosier Gym is in Knightstown. That's, okay, that's so that's what, still there. That's the home gym of where the Hickory Huskers played their games was in Knightstown, and it is now the Hoosier Gym. It's it, The basketball court is still there. There's also a museum associated with it. But the Brownsburg Gym, which is now a bunch of, uh, like I said, it's the College Avenue condominiums, are uh, was a really, really neat gym. And, you know, when you're young, you don't understand the importance of, oh, this is being torn down, and it's a real staple of the town. Mm-hmm. You're like... Where did that go? Mm-hmm. And now as you get older, you're like, that would have been kind of neat if they could have figured out a way to keep that. So are you feeling stressed when you wake up in the morning? The majority of us apparently do. It takes, on average, 33 minutes to finally feel human <laughs> in the morning. Uh, people took this poll and they said, yeah, we like to brush our teeth and eat your breakfast and then you have some coffee. And these are absolute absolute must-dos within the first 60 minutes of waking up. It takes a lot longer than it used to for us to get it together and get going in the morning. Interesting. Are you feeling like it's since you've changed your diet that you're waking up easier or quicker, or does it take you a bit to get into uh, here's being, what I, a, being up and alive? Well, here's what I have found, because in addition to eating different, which mm-hmm. has had a big impact, I have also started being more dedicated to ensuring I go to bed at 10 o'clock each night. Now, I will violate that 
tonight because the Bears are on. Right, and you've but, got a dollar fifty running well, on yes, that game. Yes, I've got a very. It's a mm-hmm. very big game for two terrible teams, the Bears and the Redskins. Um, the uh, I have found the eight hours of sleep. Getting the eight hours of sleep makes a profound difference in addition to the food you eat in terms of getting up in the morning. And I cannot stress enough, too, to people, and I I say this from a position of guilt uh, until recently, the amount of water you drink mm-hmm. also has a huge impact on how you feel. What you eat, cutting out carbs and sugars, wa- drinking a lot of water, mm-hmm. and getting the eight hours of sleep. Like, your parents used to tell you this. It turns out they really weren't full of crap. Like, you it does what? make a big difference. I was never told growing really? up, drink water. My grandmother no, used like, to... like, never. That was never even a thing. My grandmother, who was impeccable, in impeccable health into her late 80s, and she, she ultimately developed Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which is why she passed away. It was not because of, you know, a physical ailment. Uh, used to swear by that, that drinking water was a huge... And getting the 64 ounces of water mm-hmm. every single day was such a key to good health. And Tom Brady does that every morning when he wakes up. He downs a gallon of water. He fills up like a milk jug yep. and just chugs that before he even gets out of bed. It's like feet are on the ground, chug the water, and then get out of and bed. And he's Tom Brady. Look at him. I know. And look so at us. Maybe there's some truth to that. Boy, I'm feeling dehydrated right now. Cut out those beers, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I need to at some point. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rob. Good job, Kevin, and thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kettle and Casey on 93 WIBC. 